0: Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls.
1: And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Hey, Lisa, welcome to episode 27. It's great to see you today, Melissa. How are you? Good. So let's just jump right in. Let's talk about chores I have been very candid that I don't like chores, I don't do chores, chores are the reason why I threw most of my own temper tantrums as a young child, but this is not an isolated thing. Our listeners and our own family experiences tell us that chores are a big point of contention probably in a lot of our houses, but you, Lisa, are much better at chores than I am, so we're going to talk a little bit about chores today. (laughs)
0: That sounds good. I think it's a very practical and important thing to talk about because families have needs. Things have to be done. Our homes cannot become huge disasters just because we have children. So chores are important. And, you know, I think we forget how much children are capable of doing.
1: Yeah, we do. You told me a story right before we started recording that I loved mostly because it shows how different we are as personalities and parenting styles. Can you tell us that story?
0: Yeah, I was just telling Melissa um, that a few years ago, probably two or three summers ago, we were on vacation on Whidbey Island and we always like to go to this one thrift store. If you're ever on Whidbey Island, the Good Cheer thrift store is so much fun. Anyhow, uh, the boys had some money, a small amount of money, and uh, Wagayu found this little child sized toolkit. But the tools were actually real, like real screwdrivers, real hammer, everything, but smaller. He was really excited about it and he bought it. It was great for at the beach because he could take that little saw and cut up driftwood and everything. We came home and he continued to use them off and on. And just literally last week, he spent his Christmas money to buy a mini basketball hoop. It's supposed to be one of those over the door ones, but he wanted to hang it on the wall. And I said, well, you're going to have to you know, get some help with that because I don't really know exactly how to do that well you know he's a very determined kid and he doesn't really like to wait and so he got his toolkit out and he took nails and hammered that thing right into his wall and you know uh, Russ is an engineer as you are Melissa and he does everything right like he is so precise he's a guy who actually reads the directions before he assembles things where I just like to kind of look at the picture and hope I can figure it out Yeah, so for Russ, that kind of is not, that's not a good thing. For me, I look at it and I'm like, wow, that is determination, determination and ingenuity. Um, But like I was saying, Melissa, of course, I'm not the one who's going to fix the drywall if it gets messed up. Russ is the one who will have to do that. So I do appreciate his desire to do things right. But anyhow, I think children, when given the freedom, are really quite capable and, Well, Gaia just said to me he'd like to build a fort this summer. And, you know, we have acreage. I don't have to look at it. He can haul wood out there and build something. It's okay with me. So anyhow, all that to say, I think our children are competent and capable of doing really valuable work for the sake of the family.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting because my knee-jerk reaction, especially when I'm really stressed, which I think comes with the territory for a lot of our families, is I don't feel like I have room for my kids to mess up. Like I don't have room for their learning curve, so I'd rather just do it myself or be angry if they try to do it first and they like mess it up because then that seems like more work for me. Um even something stupid like dishes. Like if they get the kitchen off all soapy water, I feel like I should have just done that where as like other moms maybe like, you know, it's just a little soapy water. We'll clean it up later. That's how my mom is. So I was reading this really interesting article uh, a couple months ago. It's on NPR. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's called how to get your kids to do chores without resenting it. And it starts off with just talking about a woman who was visiting some areas of central and South America and noticed that the kid's were contributing to the household in terms of chores with a lot of pride and without any hemming and hauling or sticker charts or all the things that we kind of have to feel like we have to do with our kids. Um, and, and they were even like bragging about, you know, the different chores that they had to do around the house. And as it kind of plays out in the article, I talk about how in other cultures, you know, this learning curve where kids try something um, and most of us had have had toddlers and toddlers are enthusiastic about life. Most of them, unlike our teenagers, want to be included. They want to help, you know, they want to be doing things with us. And in other cultures, that's welcome in a way that we don't come behind them and fix it. So if they tell us they're going to sweep the floor, they do it. And then we praise them for it and honor their contribution and move on. And eventually, you know, that can build into this kind of lifelong willingness to contribute. Whereas I think my personality, you know, tells my toddler to sweep the floor and then I go behind them and quote unquote, fix it or redo it or finish it up for them. Uh, And I think there's a, you know, unspoken message there about that they're not really valued for their work. And so by the time they're 16 and 17, they've become less willing to participate in some of those things. So Um, I know a lot of us have kids from different cultures who have come to us at different ages from different cultures. I just think that whole conversation is so interesting.
0: Yeah, it really is. I was talking with um, Anna Rose the other day. You know, I think sometimes some of the chores maybe have at different times felt like we were expecting a lot of our kids. She was telling me, she's a senior in college now. And she lives now in a house with a bunch of women. But she was just telling me that there are so many students her age who don't know how to cook, don't know how to do their own laundry. And she said to me, Mom, I'm actually so glad that you made me do the things that I had to do and that you taught me things because I feel comfortable managing a house and cooking and things that a lot of her peers don't feel like they can do yet. So I will add, though. I think our you know stress, and when life feels very out of control, it does restrict our creativity and our thinking. it restricts our flexibility because our natural instinct when things are out of control is to exert more control, to try to bring things back into control. The way we did chores before we added children with early trauma to our family and the way we did them after. We did have to change our expectations, not of the older kids who were already in our family. We kept those standards the same, but I will say that our younger and newer kids have not been able to maybe do as much as my first set of kids was able to do, partly because of our own stress levels and, and their ability to stay regulated and all those kinds of challenges.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay. So what we thought would be helpful is to, is to frame the chore conversation specifically for those of us who are parenting children who struggle and where chores might be a real battleground. Um, And so we just have a couple tips to share that hopefully will be helpful when thinking about how we're trying to parent and be mindful of our children and their experiences and what their needs are while still running households and having things that have to get done. Kind of how does that all interact? And so we have roughly five tips to kind of share with you about just things to consider when you're thinking about chores and your family.
0: So the first one to think about is consider how long your child has been home. You know, if your child is new to the family and still adjusting to life to even having a family family, I think we need to keep it really, really simple. If chores make her feel she's part of the team, by all means, do chores. But if chores trigger really big feelings or challenging behaviors, I would save them for later. I wouldn't jump in hard on something like chores.
1: Yeah, I think, again, this goes back to being mindful of where our kids are and understanding why chores are important. So if the reason why you want your children to contribute is literally your house can't run without something being done, then maybe consider offloading that or paying a small fee for someone else to come in and do it. Um, If your reasoning is having your children learn skills, there is plenty of time to do that. They will do that. And even if they leave your home without all the skills you wish they had, if we've done what we need to do to keep an open relationship, they'll have us as a safe base to come back and learn those skills when they're willing and when they realize they have to, because now they're on their own and they need to. And we've had that happen with our kids. Now that we've repaired relationship with some of our kids who moved out without all the skills they needed, they're coming back to us and asking us for those. So I think sometimes fear drives some of this that, you know, we can't release kids into the world who don't know how to pick up after themselves or do laundry or those things. But especially if our kids are struggling with other things in terms of relationship and attachment, we can hold off on life skills and chores for a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're under huge challenges and stress with a teen And you're thinking, oh my goodness, she doesn't know how to cook. Well, you know what? That's just not the most important thing right now. You need to be able to keep your whole family as healthy and whole as you can. And if your child moves out without knowing how to do her laundry, she will survive. True story. Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) So number two is if chores cause rages, it's not a battle worth fighting, especially before school.
0: Yes, and you know, part of my thought on that is in our family, everybody does a simple, and I mean simple, quick chore before school. It doesn't happen every single morning, but most mornings we do pretty well with that. It was great when I homeschooled because nobody was going anywhere first thing in the morning, but now that there's a school bus and it is different, the window of time is short, and if it's going to cause a lot of dysregulation, I don't do it. But for kids who are able to stay regulated, In the morning, in that short bit of time, it's so helpful to show them not only that they are capable, but that a chore can be accomplished in a very short amount of time. You know, it can be as simple as, of course, unloading the dishwasher. That's kind of an obvious one. I'll have the kids just take like a a cleaning wipe and just wipe down the bathroom really fast. Or up until just uh, last week, we had this old blue carpet in our family room that had to be vacuumed literally every day but it was a quick chore. So for a child who can stay regulated, I think it's great. But for a child who that is just going to trip them up, cause really a lot of dysregulation, I would save their chore for after school.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I also think if a child rages because of a chore, it doesn't necessarily mean that we want to stop asking them to do that chore. I think in the name of connected parenting, a lot of times, because we're trying to meet needs and provide high nurture, we forget that high structure piece. I think giving our kids chores that don't disrupt the rest of the family. So like we talked about emptying the dishwasher. If your child can do that without a big fuss, then that's a perfect chore because it needs to get done and it's super helpful. But if you have a child who's going to dig their feet in and say they're not going to do it or something like that, that's not a great one because that will hold up your whole family. Like that could ruin your kitchen to not have your dishwasher emptied. And you don't want to be put in a position where you have to step in and do it because you can't wait any longer. So for kids who really dig their heels in, you know, things like sweeping the kitchen, because you can let your kitchen floor go a couple days. Some of us can let them go longer than others. Right, Lisa? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, Or, you know, putting the laundry away or doing their own laundry, you know, things that don't affect really the rest of the household. Those are great. and. It's okay for us to hold that line, even if a child gets dysregulated for it. And, you know, last week, Robin helped us talk about regulation, what to do in the moment. She, the week before that, she helped us think about what we can do outside the moment. So I think it's okay for us to say, you know, please sweep the floor. And then someone might, you know, go into a huge tantrum. And I think our kids need us to stay calm. But not budge. And so I think the nurture is us being calm, us helping them calm down, us not, you know, threatening and punishing if they don't do it. Understand that it might be something hard for them to process. It might be, feel very overwhelming. But then at the end of the day, still with calmness, once our kids are re regulated, remind them that that's still their job to do. I think when we start walking on eggshells and not asking our kids to do anything that sets them into a rage, we are giving them a little too much power. And I think that feels unsafe for kids. They're telling us that they're overwhelmed from doing the kitchen chore, but we're so afraid of dysregulation that we take that away. And that shows them that their dysregulation has all this power. And so I think it's almost better for us to be able to you know, hang in there, help them regulate and then still have a success for doing the thing that you set out for. Um, I think in the long run, that's going to be a lot more helpful and feel a lot safer for our kids.
0: That's really such a good point, Melissa. And you know, a lot of what I do, well, first of all, if a child dysregulated, let's say they were supposed to do a chore earlier and then they come home from school and it's still there waiting for them. First of all, I would never have them do it until they've eaten <laughs> because kids come home from school hungry. Like like we have to be cognizant of are we setting them up to fail? But you're right. I think we do have to hold the standard that we expect. And so a really simple thing I do is I use when, then. So, you know, the kitchen floor still needs to be swept. When it is swept, then you can have or do or whatever you know whatever it is that they're wanting and it's pretty easy to well no none of this is easy but it's pretty <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest but it's pretty clear to say i understand you don't want to do this it's important so when you've swept the floor then you can have the privilege of going out to play or you can have the privilege of, you know, doing your Xbox or whatever it is that's important to them that they want. And that's not hard to say no to, you know, it's they don't have to, it's not like, okay, one thing I do not do is generally speaking, I do not say you're not going to basketball practice until this is done or something like that because that's not something I feel I can take away because there's a coach and a team and people expect my kids there. But there are other things that they have to that that are a total privilege, so I try to use things more like that, like
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to take away things that help them feel connected to our family or connected to a community or team, or regulating things. Right, right. It's, it's actually a ball, good for gymnastics, them. swimming, all of those things. But and we don't want to use it as a punishment. So like, no. you know, you had a fit for doing that, so you can't go to so and so's birthday party. But we can say this is something that really needs to get done. It's important. So when you finish your chore, then we can go to the birthday party. And, you know, the natural consequence sometimes is you have to go to a birthday party late or you may miss it altogether because your child wasn't regulated. And then I think the next important step in that is to regulate ourselves and keep our own compassion for our kids and feel compassion for them that they did miss something that was fun not be like well i told you if you didn't da 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 you know then you wouldn't get to go which i think is right. our natural reaction because at that point we're so frustrated that it took 6 hours to sweep the kitchen floor but our kids need us to stay regulated and calm and to the point um but also keep our word for what we want them to do which also means think very very hard <laughs> Before yes. you decide yes. that that's a hill you want to die on.
0: Yes, I've had to learn that so many times, just to be cautious about what comes out of my mouth, because what I say is important. You know, I need to be thinking about what what is going to be a realistic consequence if they don't do it, and I don't mean a punishment. I mean like a realistic consequence.
1: Okay, so what else do we have, Lise?
0: Well, our third point is set the bar low enough that they can actually succeed. We want our children to experience success in their chores. And so I try to be realistic. You know, some of my kids are detail oriented. Some of them are absolutely not. Some of them can tolerate high amounts of mess and and things and others can't. So I also have kids who tend to be kind of anxious in the morning before school. So um, I try not to be uh, overly uptight about the chores that they're doing you know i i accept maybe something that is not always done super well but it's done and i don't mean that i want them to just totally disrespect the chore but if all they can do is sort of a pretty average job i can live with that because they're doing it they're building habits they're learning what they're capable of and you know a house cleaned imperfectly is still cleaner than one that isn't cleaned at all i'm willing to set the bar low enough that all of my kids should be
1: able to succeed. And kind of what we were talking about in that NPR article is if they sweep the kitchen floor and even if it leaves a lot to be desired, praise them for it because they're more likely to come back and do it again if they feel appreciated for it than if you turned around after they finally did it after six hours and then nitpicked about how it was done. And then I would also say with this, you know, setting our kids up for success is also part of setting the bar low enough but part of setting them up for success also means to honor the things that help their brains feel safe which is predictable rhythmic repetitive things so when at all possible you know, create a chore schedule that is the same every week or the same every day or the same chore. So they're not surprised by it. You don't just turn around one day and, be, and realize that your house is, is a disaster and then expect them to drop what they're doing and pick up the living room. Like if you pick up the toy room every night before bed, then that's something that they can, that's in their routine that they can depend on. Um, anytime we can put predictability and rep- repetition into anything that we're doing with our kids, the better.
0: Absolutely. You know, I have one, one child who um, is fairly easily dysregulated, but the more predictable things are, the better he does. And, you know, he's old enough to read now. And so we have on, we have the basic chore chart that we use every day that has a little chore before school. And then um, on Saturdays, we work we do chores all in the morning, and so everybody's got a list, and it's more than what they do before school. But this one child of mine will get up and get those chores done because he knows exactly what's expected of him, and he would rather get it done. He doesn't want to wait around necessarily for all, all of us to do our chores, so he'll just get it done because the predictability, and it, it lowers anxiety, to accomplish the goals that he has. So anyhow, I think making things very clear to our children, very predictable, I think routines, charts if they're old enough to read or you can make picture charts, so they know exactly what is expected of them, expected is really really helpful for kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the fourth tip is give choices. We use this for a lot of other things in parenting, that this is a great time to use it is chores. You know, would you like to empty the dishwasher or sweep the kitchen? So again, you might need a little bit more structure for some kids because you don't want them to pick the dishwasher and then not do it. Choices are always a way to give shared control with our kids in a healthy way.
0: Absolutely. And of course, as they get older, if they have the capacity for more flexible thinking, then we can be more flexible with them too. So for instance, like I have a lot of teenagers and they know what their chores are for Saturday. But if they have a lot of plans for the weekend, I can be flexible and say, you know, you still need to do those chores and I want them done before. But if you need to do them on Friday, that's fine. You don't have to do them on Saturday morning because they're older and they can handle that flexibility. Some of my younger kids can't handle that yet. But in time, that's how the real world works, you know, and it's okay if kids want to do work in advance. But we don't just say it doesn't have to be done.
1: Right. And for some really fragile kids, it might be your chore is this would you like to do it by yourself or with help
0: absolutely that's a great point because some kids would rather work independently now for us like i know a lot of families will assign people to do dishes clean up and stuff after dinner and we the way we do dinner is we all clean up together and our policy is just nobody's done until everybody's done and that is simpler for me than and segmenting out, okay, you're going to clear the table. You're going to hand wash. You're going to sweep. We just all work together, and we do have certain things we fall into that are, um, you know, like Ebenezer tends to like doing the hand washing, you know, things like that. Just sticking together through that is helpful. But a lot of
1: chores they're able to do on their own if they prefer. Lastly, focus on what matters most. Sometimes, and we talked a little bit about this in the beginning, fighting over a chore or Drawing your line in in the sand over a chore might not be what's important. Or sometimes we can, and Lisa and I aren't as great about this, but sometimes we can also make chores fun. Sometimes the word chore makes it feel like a chore, right? But there might be ways to get chores done in your house and around your house that make it fun. Or if your family can handle it, not all kids can handle this, but maybe gamify it. You know, maybe instead of assigning chores, maybe you make a game out of it and they earn tickets or points towards something. uh, We used to do that instead of money in our house because people could carry around tickets and lose them. And then I didn't feel like we had actually lost money, but they could pay me for things at the store that they wanted in tickets. And then I would just, you know, use my money to, to pay, pay for it. So that worked for us for a very long time. Tickets were worth 25 cents and we doled out all kinds of, tickets for all kinds of chores and catching kids doing good things and treating people kindly. And then it was important for them, you know, money's a whole nother podcast, but to be able to have some control over what they could get with, you know, money. And so we just did it as a ticket system.
0: One thing that we've done a lot over the years, I mean, gosh, we've been parents for 31 years. So one of the things we do a lot is we'll say, all right, everybody, we're going to do a five minute tidy up. And we set the timer for five minutes and everybody works for five minutes. And most kids can handle that idea of five minutes. It's incredible what you can accomplish in five minutes. You know, if everybody's doing a little something, whether it's picking up toys, loading dishes in the dishwasher, whatever it is. Um, And then it would be like, especially I would use it if we wanted to watch a movie as a family or everybody wanted to go somewhere, I'd say, okay, five-minute tidy up first, and then we'll do it. And I wouldn't worry about so much how much we got done, just getting as much as we reasonably could in those five minutes. And it worked really, really well, and it still works for us.
1: Yeah, and I think that team effort, the relationship mentality, our kids are more willing to do work if they see us doing work. Um, it's yes. It's harder for them to perceive us as, you know, checking Facebook while they sweep the kitchen. Um, and again, we can't always control their perceptions. And I'm not saying that we always need to be doing that because I'm. we do a lot of work when they're not working for sure. So this is not a fairness thing at all, but a lot of kids that are struggling with attachment things need to see us doing these things too.
0: Yeah. I want to share one other thing that um, is kind of interesting, especially for those of us who may have brought older kids home especially kids who have lived in orphanages for a long period of time you know one of our children when she joined our family she had lived in an orphanage for many many years and in the orphanage she was responsible for one plate one cup her own bed but really nothing else because there were nannies working who did the laundry who did the cooking who did you know it wasn't it wasn't a family i mean that's that's the substantial difference And so when she joined our family, she could not understand at all why she would be responsible for anybody else's things. Like, why would she wash dishes for the family? Why would she um, help clear the table? She only had one plate, right? It took a while for her to start gaining a concept of family that we all work together for the good of the family. And I, don't, I didn't anticipate that. That really surprised me when she came home. So I just want to mention that in case anybody else experiences that, that it takes time for our kids who are coming, especially from an orphanage, it takes time to begin to understand doing things for the good of the whole family and not just for themselves. I mean, these children, our children are survivors. They know how to take care of themselves and learning how to participate in chores for the family. is is It's a learning process.
1: Yeah, I think the other really important thing about that is remembering that, especially those of us who brought kids home who are older, who already had a culture before they came to us, a lot of times we tell ourselves a story about our kids' behavior that isn't fully informed. Like you, if your daughter had refused to help with the rest of the dishes, you might've really seen that as defiant or belligerent. And mm-hmm. she may just have. Had again no concept for working together as a team, and sometimes we forget that all the things that we think are such obvious things in life are not obvious to our kids who came to us from different cultures. And sometimes there's a cultural exp- explanation for a behavior that's driving us insane or looks really disrespectful to us here in the States, and it may not have been disrespectful where they came from. So that has been really eye-opening for me as we've learned and listened to and been really mindful of our kids and their experiences before they came to us. It's
0: a really good point. I think this is something that we just have to continue to work on in our families. And I think moms out there listening, do not be too hard on yourself. You know, take... Very small steps if you're beginning to implement chores with your kids. And remember to focus on what matters absolutely the most, which is really making sure that you're healthy and you're doing all right, getting the support you need in this very, very challenging job. And then, you know, meeting the needs of your kids. And chores are one of those things that have to be done, but whether they absolutely have to be done by you or your kids, you know, it depends on your resources, of course, but I would not, Put excessive pressure on yourself if you are already under excessive pressure.
1: Um, and also, if you've decided that you need to pay someone to do it, maybe you can pay a neighbor or a friend, or barter with a friend, or even, you know, some of our kids don't want to do chores as a family, but maybe you can pay them to do it, and they would still be cheaper than hiring the local maid service. So um, mm-hmm. sometimes we just have to get creative. All the things that we talked about, uh, including the a blog post for these five tips. Um, an additional video from lisa where she talks about you know why her dishes are all in her lower cabinets in her kitchen and child-sized cleaning things like we also have a child-sized broom it's so cute we love it all of that will be at the show notes uh we also will probably be talking about chores in our facebook group this week so you can pop over to there a link for that will also be in the show notes and you can find those at the dot com slash 27. and was created by Lee Rosevier